0: Last week, we started a study, and I'm pretty excited about this study. We've started the book of Acts, and it's going to be a long time going through the book of Acts. We, we talked about 1,007 verses in the book of Acts, and we're going to talk about every one of those verses. Why? Because we feel like that's where God has put us as a church. The, the, the book of Acts is an incredible Book and we're going to talk about it today as we really get into the first book or first verse in Acts and why God has brought us here. But I have a question for you before we even get into any of this. Okay, what are some of your favorite movies? I just think think what what's some of your favorite movies or maybe even your your favorite movie or even series. Some of us are Netflix series and think about that. And sometimes, often those those best movies of yours get turned into a sequel. You know, or one or two. And if you're really good, like Rocky, how many sequels are from Rocky? Remember? How how many? How many think it's five? Well, that's kind of weird because he's still actually creating stuff. Like, okay, Rocky, one, two, three, four, five. I watched all those. It was great to make popcorn and watch Rocky and feel like I could go destroy the world and punch raw meat, stuff like that. One, two, three, four, five, and, and then there's Creed that just came out, and then, oh, good news, this year, Creed Part Two's coming out, so it's, it's still going, but talk about sequel, right? Sometimes some of our favorite movies get turned into sequels, so in light of all that, how many of you, whether you want to admit it or not, have binge-watched a Netflix series. Okay, you guys, this is for you. (laughs) Seven ways that you know that you're on a binge-watching hangover. (laughs) Number one, when you're on a hangover, binge-watching a Netflix series, uh, total paralysis. You just finish your series, it's done. Total paralysis. As the credits roll after the final episode fades to black, you stare at the screen in a complete stupor. For several minutes, and you don't move. Your fingers have become so accustomed to clicking to the next episode that you currently do not know what to do with yourself. Step one. Anyone relating? Okay. Step two emptiness. Perhaps the drama from your show is seeping into you, but whatever the case, you are convinced that you will never feel happy ever again. <laughs> Step three, mourning over the death of your friends. Finishing a show and having to go back to real life feels like having multiple friends of yours die all at once. You find yourself reminiscing on the good times you guys had together, meaning the times you sat on your couch and watched fictional characters have lives. Step four, loss of direction. You spend a good deal of your time just thinking, what do I do now over and over again? Number five, social anxiety. You quickly realize you've forgotten how to socialize like a normal person for the last few hours or days. You've just been sitting watching other people talk. (laughs) Number six, this one's totally me. I love number six. You bring up your previous shows to anyone who will listen. (laughs) And when someone says, oh yeah, I've been watching that for the last couple months, you refrain from telling them that you inhaled it in 56 hours. <laughs> Number seven, we'll leave it at this. There was 14 of these, but I just picked my top seven. Lack of motivation. After realizing that you no longer have something to look forward to when, you, when you're trying to get through a slow work day or bored at a social event, you suddenly have no desire to do anything. That's it. <laughs> I just thought that was funny, so why not throw it out there? And why, why am I saying that? Because here, here's the deal, in, in a very real way, um, Acts is a sequel to Luke. Luke was written, and we went through the, the study of Luke, and then it continues on into the book of Acts. In fact, if you would open your Bibles, we're going to begin to look at it. If you uh, don't have a Bible, there's a blue Bible in the rows next to you, or there's a blue Bible in the back. And you can find Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, on page 628 of those blue Bibles. So page 628, Acts chapter 1, 1 through 3. Who has a fear of reading in public? Yeah, no one's going to raise their hand. Okay, I'll call Debbie up here to read. No, okay, here we go. Oh, and let me read the first three verses. In the first book, book O Theophilus... I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So he's referring to Luke, the book of Luke, the, the, the first movie he wrote, right? And then here's the the sequel. So in verse 2, Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God of God. So let's, let's talk about Acts just for a few minutes to get us kind of on the same page before we dive into this first, um, this first three verses. Acts was a bridge between the four Gospels and the rest of the New Testament. So even the placement, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts is a great bridge between the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament. It's part two like we talked about. It's the sequel to the book of Acts or to the book of Luke. And Luke is writing it just like he did with Luke. He wrote it to Theophilus' friend. And so we see the beginning part of this book is to the same Theophilus, and he's continuing on. It was written somewhere between 62 to 64 A.D., uh, and that really depends. If you start looking at different theologians and, and dating of the Bible, that really depends upon which take that you you, like, go, and some say it's later, some say it's earlier. So we'll just say in here to be safe, 62 to 64 A.D. Luke, the first book that was written by Luke, uh, is what, tells a story about all Jesus began to do and to teach. So when you read Luke, the gospel tells a story of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now we move into Acts, and when we get to Acts, we, we start getting a new theme, and that is all that Jesus continued to do and to teach. So we saw what he did, and we saw what he continued to do as he begins to pass it off to the church, us, right now. So... Every 1,007 verses that we're going to encounter in the book of Acts can really be looking at you personally, Jesus walking up to you and saying, hey, everything that I've done and how I've lived my life, I'm now giving it to you, church. And so it's time for us to go live out the church and to be the church. Acts, uh, I want to read this quote, and it's by the Tyndale New Testament Commentaries, so if some of you are reading commentaries, this is Tyndale one, and this is what it says about Luke and Acts. Luke's purpose was to show not only that the coming of Jesus fulfilled prophecy, that's what happened in Luke, but also that the rise of the church and the spread of salvation to the Gentiles fulfilled the prophecies in the Old Testament and the promises of Jesus. See, History is set, time is set, along comes this man Jesus and he fulfills the prophecy and people are looking at him as he begins to do signs and wonders and the Holy Spirit begins to move on this man in powerful ways and then right at the climax he goes, church, it's now your turn. And it's beautiful to see how everything is pointed to this point in history. Acts is a history book as we begin to open it and we begin to study it. It's a history book of the early church structured around the journeys and individuals in the story that are guided by the Holy Spirit. It's a history book of people that are guided by the Holy Spirit as they move forward being the church that Jesus has handed them. It's our stories. And like we said last week, It kind of ends, the book of Acts just kind of ends. At the end of chapter 28, you're reading along, you're in the story, you're in the narrative, and it just kind of goes, blah. And my understanding and my take as to why it just kind of goes, blah, is because Jesus is really saying, and God is really saying, welcome to Acts 29, us. As we continue being the church, we are all Acts 29 as we move forward being the church. Now, as we read through the book of Acts, it's key to be aware. It's important. Take note that we need to be aware that the church in Acts is guided by the Holy Spirit, not human governances. I want to say that again. As we begin going through the book of Acts, it's key to realize and to remember and to keep in the forefront of our mind that these are being done by the movement of the Holy Spirit, not by what human hands have created. And it's hard for us to understand that. Why? Because we have 2,000 years of human hands touching the church. And so when we come into the book of Acts, it's easy for us to look back through the lens of history and go, well, of course they did that. Well, if you're entering into church for the first time, you have nothing to do except depend upon the Holy Spirit. So it's important to know that. The early church had no idea where they were going. They were idiots. Don't get mad at me for saying that. They had no idea where they were going, much like us today. Does anyone know how to do church tomorrow in this room like you have got it figured out? Has anyone in this room been to the year 2017, which... Which, whatever president we have, being the church, has anyone been there? No! We are, we are fumbling and we're stumbling through history as well, just like the early church. And so, we can look back at the early church and we can go, well, of course, they had it together. They were the early church. But put yourself in their shoes. They're probably looking forward at us 2,000 years later going, Oh man, they have history and they see how we messed up. And they can build awesome things because of our mistakes. You see, they were fumbling through. You see, we're fumbling through. And humans, human governances and human traditions, we can't stand on those. We can honor them and we can honor our heritage. But we desperately need the Holy Spirit, church. Would you agree? They desperately needed the Holy Spirit to guide them. We desperately need... The Holy Spirit to guide us. What we think about ourselves drives our reality. We've talked about that a lot. What we think about ourselves drives our reality. If we think we're worthless, how are we going to respond in life? As if we're worthless. If we think we're awesome and no one can stop us, what are we going to do? We're going to tell the world no one can stop us and we're awesome we may get broken down in that one. But what bondage do we, do we walk forward with if we think that we're worthless? Welcome to Church Project. We're a group of people that love Jesus. Let's put a period there. All of these words over here are fancy and awesome and they drive us to what we do and how we do it. But we could almost erase all of that and say, church project, a group of people that love Jesus. We're a project stumbling forward trying to figure out how to love Jesus more. And so it takes our mistakes and it takes great victories as we depend upon what? Human governances or the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit. We depend on the Holy Spirit every single day. That's why, quite honestly, I love baptisms. We have baptisms. We've had two or three in this room. I've had a ton of funny baptisms in my life That, as a pastor. It's hard baptizing people. I, I remember losing one girl in the ocean because I forgot to hold on to her. The wave took her away. I'm like, oh. <laughs> baptisms are awesome, though. And some of us, we need to think, have you been baptized? After your confession of faith, Jesus says, go and be what? Baptized, make it a, a public display of, of the change that's happening in your heart. But why I love baptisms, and I keep walking over here because this is usually where our horse trough is that we do baptisms in. But you get to see sometimes, and oftentimes, you get to see people, and it's a beautiful representation of a person that's dead. In the baptism, there's nothing special about the water, but it's a beautiful symbol of this person that's dead, and they go down in the water, and they come up, and you get to see freedom on their face. Like, maybe for the first time, you get to see someone that they've changed the way they even begin to think about themselves. And so they're no longer walking around saying, I'm a slave, I'm worthless, I'm good for nothing, I don't know, I have no hope. Which we get to see a face of someone maybe for the first time thinking that they're a child of a king. That their future is bright. That they have hope. What we think about ourselves drives our reality. We are new creations. We're set free. Set free from all bondages. Every one of us right now, the things that we struggled through last week, you know, alone in the dark places, the things that we really worried about and stressed about and we can't forgive ourselves over, you're set free of that. That chain's no longer around you. That worry, that anxiety, that thing that's been driving you down, guess what? You're set free from that. You're a new creation, you're a child of a king what we think about ourselves drives our reality let's get into acts you ready in the first book o theophilus i have dealt with all that jesus began to do and che- and teach do you see those words that jesus was doing and teaching until the day when he was taken up after he had g- given commands what does your bible say through the Holy Spirit. So... We begin to look and see that Jesus, this book is written to Theophilus, who is already a Christian, his name even means so. And so as as Luke is writing this book, he says, I'm writing it to tell you and to show you and to remind you because Luke is a physician, he's detailed, he crosses every T, he dots every I, he says it the way it is, he's intelligent, and he's writing a letter to Theophilus to tell him what the good things that Jesus did Through the Holy Spirit. The good things that Jesus did through the Holy Spirit. So Luke is pointing to what Jesus did back in Acts, or Luke, and he continues to do in Acts. And Acts begins to lay out what the Holy Spirit is continuing to do through the church. So Luke is writing about what Jesus did. Acts is what the Holy Spirit is continuing to do through the church. Let me make make it a little more personal. Luke is about what Jesus did as he walked on this earth through the Holy Spirit. Acts is about what the Holy Spirit continues to do through you. The church guided by the Holy Spirit. What we read about is what Jesus was doing and teaching in Luke and what Jesus is beginning to do through Christianity. Through the beginning of the church. When we look at Jesus himself and we study the man of Jesus, we see a lot of history that points back that an actual Jesus walked the earth. There's a lot of evidence of that. And so you can begin to dig your history books out and go and study that all you want. You will find that there's an actual Jesus in history that walked, and that's who we're talking about. When we begin to think about Jesus in, in the theological stance and our Bible, it doesn't take long, and you can already in the first two verses of Acts come across this fancy idea that theologians, bright, smart, snubby people, have given the title Trinity. It doesn't take long to come upon this idea of a Trinity, and so even in the first two verses, we see that there's Jesus. He was and is the only son of God. And so the Trinity is three persons in one that makes up all God. And so we see he was and is the, uh, the only son of God, Jesus, that exists as one person in three parts of the Trinity. So one God in three parts is what we're beginning to talk about here in the theoretical high world of non-existent caffeinated whatever intellectual state. Okay? That's how we begin to talk about Jesus and Trinity right here. Each unique part of this Trinity is individual in his traits and purpose. So there's a purpose behind God, There's the Father, there's a purpose behind God the Son, and there's a purpose behind the Holy Spirit. All of them have their own individual traits, yet you see them as one God. So Jesus walked... The Holy Spirit guides all for and from God the Father. So you begin to see relationship already in Acts chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. You begin to see relationship of Trinity. God himself is relationship. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he begins to teach us, church, from the beginning, the importance of relationship. Do you get this? Jesus walked in relationship with his Father, with the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, what I've done and who I am, I'm handing on to you to continue to do as a church in relationship with each other and with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're not alone in this. You're not alone in this. Jesus has walked and shown us how to live our life in relationship. I'm reminded of Luke chapter 4 verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Church, we are led by the Holy Spirit. We can count on the Holy Spirit to take us to places that we don't even know where we're going or how to get through. Church, are you depending on the the Holy Spirit? Some of you are shaking your head, yeah, I don't know what else to do, but depend upon the Holy Spirit right now in this circumstance. Some of us, though, in multiple times like me throughout the week, I can go, no, I'm not necessarily depending on the Holy Spirit. I'm depending upon my fill in the blank, whatever it may be. My education, my wealth, my whatever. I mean, fill it in. The place where pride begins to creep up and we begin to say, oh, yeah, Holy Spirit, I don't need you in this one. I can figure out my own way through this one. Church, are you depending upon the Holy Spirit? Jesus depended upon the Holy Spirit, and he was led into the wilderness, yeah, he was led into the wilderness to dark places in his life. But he was also led to beautiful places in his life. Are you depending on the Holy Spirit and trusting on the Holy Spirit even when you don't know where you're being led to? I can tell you, though, where we're being led from. We're being led from bondage. We're being led from being held down. We're being led from sin. And we're being led to freedom and hope and joy and love. And are we depending upon the Holy Spirit to lead us wherever he will in our lives? Maybe some of us today, what we need to do is just say, okay, that's all I need to hear. God, lead my life. I'm not going to let fear drive me. You may be asking me, God, to change vocations or do something, but fear is gripping me in this spot. I know, I understand how fear can grip us, but maybe the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something that's even scary in your life. Why? He has a purpose for your life. We can't answer that as a church, what God is asking you individually to do, but in house churches, hopefully you're all part of a house church, we can enter into the relationship with you. We can begin to pray over you, with you, and for you as God begins to move. And you begin to realize where the Holy Spirit's guiding your life. That's my prayer for me. And that's my prayer for us, is that we would be a people that are led by the Holy Spirit just as Jesus was. Look at verse 2. So, uh, Jesus began to do and to, pre- and to teach. And then verse 2, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles... Whom he had chosen. One One of the biggest takeaways from the books of the book of Acts is that the Holy Spirit was guiding the early church just as he is today. Was guiding the Holy Spirit just as he is, or the church just as he is today. Church project is continuing to grow under the direction of the Holy Spirit. The only reason we are sustained right now and move forward and gather this morning is not because of our intellect and our wonderful structure. The only reason we're here today is because the Holy Spirit has deemed us to be here today. And the only way we'll exist tomorrow is because we're desperately clinging to the Holy Spirit to guide us into tomorrow. Because if not, we just create a beautiful thing with our hands that on the surface looks beautiful but crashes quickly as soon as the devil realizes and pushes against us. We will not be that, church. We desperately need God to guide us and the Holy Spirit to guide us. And church project is continuing to grow under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Let's make that personal. Our lives individually are coming alive by the Holy Spirit. The only way we know to move forward tomorrow is to desperately cling to the Holy Spirit individually and say, God, I surrender control of my life. Please lead me and guide me. Some of us, we're going to enter the book of Acts, and maybe it's a personality thing or a a wondering thing or a Holy Spirit prompting thing. But there's a study called pneumatology. Pneumatology, isn't that fancy? And all that means is this, the study of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's volumes and volumes of books. Pneumatology, I'll spell it, P-N-E-U-M-A-tology. Pneumatology. I, I think even in this body, and I'm, I'm one of those, by the way, I, I, love, I love reading theology. I love learning. I, lo- I, I, I really enjoy that. It might not come out on Sunday as well, but I love doing it on my own. And some of us, we're going to be so gripped by the study of the Holy Spirit that we're going to enter into our own pneumatology. We're going to start finding books and reading about the Holy Spirit and learning about the Holy Spirit because you may have grown up like me, Baptist, and you don't say Holy Spirit. God is doing a new thing at Church Project. He's moving us into the unknown, and I'm willing to go there. Are you? It may take each of us entering our own pneumatology and and asking why we think what we think, why we think it, and, and what's God doing in my life, and I'm willing to go into the unknown. Holy Spirit, guide me into the year 2017. Guide your church into the year 2017, and we trust you to take us there. What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? Is the same thing we said about what you think about yourself. If you think the Holy Spirit is dead and something that's quiet, it's going to be dead and quiet in your life. Church, let's push into this. Here's a good book that'll help you in the beginning of your pneumatology. Francis Chan wrote a book called Forgotten God. Get it, get it. You can, even, you, can even, you can even get it on audiobook. So no excuses. Begin to study. Who is the Holy Spirit? How is he guiding your life? So we see Jesus followed the Holy Spirit in multiple places. Some of us in this room, though, may go, that's really freaky and supernatural and sounds good as we approach Halloween because it sounds weird and all haunted and stuff. I know I'm glad Jesus can do that, but I don't know how to do that. How can I do that? How can I be guided by the Holy Spirit? How can I do that? I'm gonna give you a few practical things, okay? Scripture's pretty powerful. Would you agree, Scripture's pretty powerful? If you are not in Scripture, you're not being guided by the Holy Spirit. Some of us, we just need to wake up. And I'm not saying early, because I always get in trouble when I say, God, wake us up early. People are like, no, I wanna sleep in. Okay. I don't care what time of the day, but I will tell you this if you are not in the Word daily, you are not being guided by the Holy Spirit, period. All excuses aside, if you are not in the word of God, you're living life on your hands, in your ways, by your ways, not by the Holy Spirit. So if you don't like that statement, invite me for coffee. Because I'm I'm starting to like coffee again, okay? But you're buying. (laughs) Huh? Right? Yeah? So... Here's a couple things. Read scripture with your head and read it with your heart. Read it. Enter into pneumatology. Get theologians. Like, dive into history. Even get into extra biblical stuff that supports the Bible. Like, do it. Enter into it headily because you will not disprove the Bible intellectually. In fact, some of the wisest minds of all time right now are coming up and saying, we can't disprove the Bible. In fact, it is so proven. So I... I, Dare you, enter into scripture intellectually and let it take you to places that your mind's wandering and going, wow, and you're learning and you're growing, but also enter into it with your heart. Here's one way I like to read Bible. It's called SOAP. And Brittany, you talked about this when when you spoke last year. You need to do another message soon. Maybe you should give this now. Okay, SOAP. Here's a way to enter enter into scripture, okay? And it's kind of cute, but this is what SOAP stands for. Uh, Where did my notes go? Okay. S stands for scripture. So open it up and read the scripture. O stands for observation. Begin to see and observe what that verse is saying and and asking what the Holy Spirit might be doing in that. A, application. Begin to ask God and the Holy Spirit to guide you in your life and how you can apply this to your life today, right now. And P, pray that over your life. So. It's a good method of reading the Bible. If you don't like soap because you had to eat it when you said bad words and you were small, here's another one, REAP, R-E-A-P, which is the same thing. Read scripture, examine it, apply it to your life, and pray it over your life. We need scripture in our life, church, because as we move into the unknown, if we're basing our life after anything other than the Holy Spirit and scripture, we're basing it on castles of sand. It will fade, and it won't stand. Here's a couple other tools for you, great study tools. One of them is blueletterbible.org. It's free, blueletterbible.org. You can go and find commentaries and studies all day long. Make your heart content. Go for it. Another another great tool is, everyone has these cute little phones, version, the Bible app. Okay, that, that's great. You can go and have devotional readings on the YouVersion Bible app, and it's kind of like the, F- the Facebook of Bible world. Enter into it, have fun. It's a wonderful tool. Another, another uh, great resource, and, and we're actually going to spend a few moments in this, Elijah. Uh, another great resource is a website called theversusproject.com. Theversusproject.com. And what this does is our friend Joel Olympic. has has come across and and around a lot of great musicians and artists that they make Scripture come alive. So if you would, turn your Bible to Psalms chapter 31 or the Blue Bible. It's in page 318. Weston, if you want to grab the lights back there. Psalms 31, verses 1 through 3. And this is all that the Verses Project is about. It helps Scripture come alive for us, so Elijah. I
1: oh, will bless the Lord at all times His we shall continue.
0: Some of us may need to just sit with scripture and let it wash over us and there's a great tool, there's, there's, you, you have to go to that website and see all the different Bible verses, but it literally is scripture put to song with art and it's very beautiful. So Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit, how can I do that? Let's, let scripture soak in scripture, let the Holy Spirit guide you as you purpose, no excuses, I'm great at creating excuses. I'm too busy, whatever it may be. Like, no excuses, church. We need to be in his word, daily in his word, being regimented and structured in his word, letting the, the word soak over you. But we also ask God. We say, God, please, and you begin to seek, and we begin to dig in, saying, God, it 's confusing i don 't know how to be led by the Holy Spirit like Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. please show me how to do that, and, and I ask you and I 'm seeking and I 'm digging in and purpose saying god i 'm resolute, teach me how to know the Holy Spirit in my life and to know his voice in my life and I can point to this in second Kings chapter two verse nine is the prophet Elijah, and, and then Elisha comes along and says, "Whatever anointing you have God and I ask Elijah, would you give me a double portion of the anointing that's on your life? I want that in my life. Elijah comes around and asks for a double portion. And God gives him a double portion. And so you see Elijah, the first one. You see all, all the wonderful things that his life did. Then we see Elisha, S H A, come along and say, I want a double portion of it. And you can look at his life had double portion of what the first did. Simply because he asked for it. Are we asking and seeking, saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Let me know your word. Like we're diving in and saying, give me a double portion of that. God, I want to know you more. Sometimes, by the way, soaking in his scripture is going to be silent. You may not even open his scripture that day. It's going to look different in all of our lives but church, are we digging in like Jesus was? Here's a couple Bible verses for you Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit that was in Jesus is in you, church. John 16, 7. It is to your advantage that I go away. And Jesus is looking at his 12 disciples. They love this man. They've been following this man. He's been teaching them and showing them. They love this man. And Jesus looks at the 12 and says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you, the Holy Spirit to guide you. So we see Jesus leave the stage and we see the Holy Spirit come. Let's get back to our to Acts here. Um, let's read these first three verses and we'll end on verse 3 here. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began To do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Do you hear that? speaking about the kingdom of God. I want to highlight a few things in these three verses right here, okay? The first thing is Jesus, right? You see that? Dealt with all that Jesus began, okay? So underlight Jesus, and then underlight the next part that says to do and to teach. So Jesus, to do and to teach, and then go down just a few more words and underline through the Holy Spirit. So, so far we have highlighted in these three verses Jesus, do and teach, through the Holy Spirit, and then underlined the last the few, ver- uh, few words, speaking about the kingdom of God. So what did Jesus do? Jesus began to do and to teach through the Holy Spirit. And what did he do? He was speaking about the kingdom of God. And he's given us that same, that, that, what's that, baton. He's passed the baton on to us. And he said, through the Holy Spirit, do and to teach through the Holy Spirit, what? About the kingdom of God. This is powerful, church. This is our mission statement, church. Like, this should get you coming alive. More and more, I will not answer questions or give my opinions. Aaron Havens. More and more, I will not answer answers or give my opinions. Why? Because they may be wrong. I've given a lot of bad advice. So maybe I should buy my own coffee if we go get coffee. <laughs> more and more, I will not answer questions or give my opinions. Why? Because I may even come across judgmental or like I have it all together or I'm judging you or, or, or something like that. But I've even learned something greater than that. More and more, I have come to realize it is between you and God. I just get up and speak and look good. That's all I do. <laughs> I give my opinions. I, I, see, I speak Sorry, I had to throw that in. I, I, I give scripture, I do that, The but, but more and more, I will not give answers and I will not give my opinions. More and more, the better I can be as a friend to you and even a pastor to you is to realize that it is between you and God. I am not, and we are not the church moral doctors. We don't sit here and judge and say, you're that, Mm-mm, no, you gotta change, uh-uh. No, we welcome everyone into church project. We welcome everyone here. As a church, we are not the moral Those fewest and closest to me in my life, I want to enter into profound and authentic relationships where we're spurring each other on to love and good deeds. Those, Those fewest and closest to me, again, let's get back to the importance of relationships in house church, it's in those few relationships that we enter and we're vulnerable and we're intimate with, with the people that we trust that are running after God that we open up our hearts as well and let them kick our tail <laughs> and say what we're not doing with our life, how it's not aligning with God, but also encourage us to keep going and moving forward in the Holy Spirit. And so spurring each other on to love and good deeds is an important thing to do. But our job as the church is to speak about the kingdom of God. Our job as a church is to speak about the kingdom of God. Our job as individuals is to what? Speak about the kingdom of God. As we continue to do and to speak, led by the Holy Spirit, our job is to speak about the kingdom of God. Why? Because that's profound, that's eternal, and it's not dependent on me. It's the Holy Spirit. Our job is to speak about the kingdom of God. Once God grips your heart, your life will change. That's why less and less, I give my opinion. And more and more, I try to ask brilliant questions or bring scripture up so you and God can begin to wrestle with whatever you're going through. Because you and God and the Holy Spirit are the only ones to have the answer to your life. Now, God may use people around you to speak truth, and he may use other things to do that, but that's your job, not mine. My job is to highlight scripture. It's the job of you and the Holy Spirit to work through the way that works in your life. But I've seen over and over again, the people where God is grabbing their heart, radically grabbing their heart, their life begins to change things that used to be so important to them start fading away. Things that in their life they held in high regard, God begins to mold to be more like Him. That is why everyone's welcome at Church Project. We, we don't have it all together, do we? We are working out our faith, aren't we? We're doing it together. So when that coworker that represents everything you're against is in your face this week, what do you do? Speak about the kingdom of God. You may speak just simply by not even saying a word, smiling, letting the fruits of the Spirit be lived out through your life. You can speak about the kingdom of God without ever saying a word. We need to call heaven to earth, church, and all the places and spaces that we go, we need to speak about the kingdom of God. You watched a few weeks ago a video in here called the Embassy of the Kingdom of Heaven. Remember that? The old lady, the embassy of, of the kingdom of heaven. We're going to show that again here in Acts. So if you missed it, don't worry. But it was beautiful. And it's was, it was just this beautiful picture that our lives, our lives individually, we are embassy of the kingdom of heaven. Our job is to bring heaven to earth. Our job is to be a safe place, a representation of love and hope and social justice and all those beautiful things. That's our job, is to speak of, teach of, live about, pray for, be the kingdom of heaven here on earth as we call heaven to earth. So when your report is bleak, what do you do, church? Speak of the kingdom of heaven. And yes, when your politician doesn't get elected, what do you do? You speak the kingdom of heaven. When that success comes your way, what do you do? Speak of the kingdom of heaven. When your past is dark and it's gripping you, what do you do? You speak of the kingdom of heaven. We speak about the kingdom of heaven. These are the first three verses. I'm excited for them. I love them. It's going to be an incredible study. In our lives, I I pray that we would show the world Jesus. We would show the world Jesus. That we'd let our lives be guided by the Holy Spirit. Some of us in this room, though, quite honestly, maybe the first step we need to do is give our life to Jesus. Maybe this is the first time you realize in this room That there's a Jesus that intimately loves you. He wants a relationship with you. God created you for a relationship, but yet we're living life on our terms. Our way, not God's way. I got this, God. I'm all good. How's that working out for you? Maybe some of us in this room for the first time and even on your response card, I'd love there's a mark that says, you want to meet with the pastor? I gave my life to Christ for the first time. Maybe that's some of us in this room today going, I'm done living on my own. I want to, be, I want to do, and good, uh, do and speak good things through the Holy Spirit as I speak of the kingdom of heaven. I want that to be my life, filled with hope and joy and love, not despair and me flailing around trying to figure out life. I need purpose. And so maybe some of us in this room, we need to realize for the first time that, that we're ugly, that we're sinners. And that God doesn't care. He hasn't given up on us. He won't give up on us. And he completely loves us. Would you surrender control of your life to that? That's beautiful. From that point, he begins to grip your heart. Beautiful things start to happen. So regardless of how you sit in this room today, I don't know what dark thing you're walking through, what hard thing you're walking through, have walked through, or about to walk through, know this, Jesus loves you. We as a church are trying our best to love you as well as we instill Jesus into your heart. And the work of the Holy Spirit with you and Jesus is going to produce beautiful things. Amen, church? So just like he did and does with his church, he will guide you through the rest, the rest of your life. He hears you and he deeply loves you. That's all I got. I think it's pretty good stuff though. That's it. I'm gonna ask us if you would. It's, it's, it's time to let the Holy Spirit move in all of our hearts and minds. So if you would, just close your Bibles and Maybe close your eyes. Let's be still for a moment, church. God, what are you doing in our lives? Church, just individually begin to cry out to the Holy Spirit. Say, God, give me a double portion of that. I want to hear your voice. I, I need to know you. God, I'm calling heaven to earth in my own life. Like God, began, even in this place to, to just speak to me individually. Would you personalize the message to me penetrate my heart, my mind, like get down deep, God. I silence myself. What are you saying? What are you doing? For some of us, it's been a long time since we just... We're still before God purposing on the Holy Spirit so maybe as you're in this room God is revealing himself to you maybe even revealing things about your life the way that you're living that doesn't align with his if you encounter one of those thoughts would you just humbly go before God and God I ask for forgiveness for this thing this way that I'm living this mentality this attitude my pride whatever it may be God I repent of that of living life on my terms. Make me more like you, God. Take this thing from me, this bad habit, this thought, whatever it may be. Would you remove that and fill me more with you? I want to look more like you, God. Maybe some of us on the surface, it's not the bad things. It's not addictions. It's not stuff like that that's bringing us down. But it's just apathy, just straight-up apathy that's killing us. Like, we are not moving forward like we used to. We're not diving into the Holy Spirit like we used to. We're becoming apathetic in our relationship with Christ and with other Christians. And we're letting a lot of excuses come in the way. So maybe in this place, what God is giving us in our life and the Holy Spirit is priding as us is to kill apathy. God, bring us alive in this place. God, we long to be a people, a church far from perfect in much need of forgiveness and grace yet resolute on you calling on your Holy Spirit to guide our lives. As we fumble and stumble through life focused on you, may you be our center point, our focal point. And when we get distracted and we fall to the right or to the left, may we lovingly spur each other back to love and good deeds. And when you continue to grow us like you, God, complete freedom in you alone, God. God, we want to hear you. We want to align our lives with you. Please teach us how to do so.